Week 11 of the NFL season is here and we are getting closer and closer to Thanksgiving next week. Really, really excited to see some great games coming in one of the best weeks of the year. But we've got a great weekend this week in the NFL. Double-digit figures and we're finally sort of at home this weekend. Michael McQuaid, Mark Hogan, Jason Hayes, Pro Football Ireland, Ireland's biggest, Ireland's best NFL outlet and podcast presented by 888 Sport, the official betting partner of the NFL in Ireland and the UK. We've got Neil Reynolds in Dublin on Saturday night this week in the Woolshed. It's sold out. If you are interested in coming, put a comment on this video saying hashtag Neil Ireland and you might win two tickets to a sold out event. Mark, Kajemar's hard to. Tommy Gamoy? The hashtag Neil Ireland hashtag sounds kind of funny and it's like, why did you pick that one? But I will say to you, it's better than the other day when we were in Frankfurt. We were using the hashtag hashtag in or IND versus NE, would you believe that clashed with one of the World Cup India games, the cricket games, that was going on at the same time. So Who I was won? looking for updates. I've, I have no idea. I had to mute it because it was just people giving out about, uh, what's your man, Coley, I think his name is, the cricket player. I don't know if we have any cr- crossover cricket fans listening to this podcast, but uh, it was an unfortunate, and I, I who would have guessed that that hashtag IND versus NE would clash with something, another sporting event going on at the same time. So uh, yeah, your your decision to go with Neil, hashtag Neil Ireland, I feel like uh, we're in the in the clear there. There shouldn't be any um, contra- conflicts. Yeah, we're sold out. I'll give away a few tickets on Instagram, on X and on TikTok on Friday this week. 8pm start this Saturday night. Can we get a crack? Thanks, Neil, for coming over. I know there's a big weekend for Sky Sports in Dublin as well. We'll talk about that in a moment. Jason, um, how is Cark? How's Cork doing? You all right down there? All good, mate. Yeah, um, that last storm actually <laughs> missed us. That went above us. We've been getting the worst of it down south, but we got away with that last one. I can't even remember the name now. It seems like there's a storm every week. Debbie. Good. Storm Debbie. I was messing it up Debbie. on today. I had to um, uh, think twice about my... Uh, I had to mention in the traffic reports. And I was like, I, I, I never said it with confidence because I was like, wait, is it Debbie? Yeah, it was anyway. Yeah, I don't know. You were lucky. You we were lucky, Michael. We we were lucky because the next day we got we barely got our flights in from um well Germany. Well, it's handy when the, the when the weather suddenly gets better when you leave Amiville talking to Chloe. There's just blue. There's just blue skies. There there was no weather warning, so we were gone. Hundred percent. Yeah, but we we were landed in like if we were coming in like some of the Irish fans were on Monday morning, their their flights were circling the airport and some had to divert to Glasgow. We were so lucky we came in. Yeah, whatever. Last year, because that's what I did last year. I stayed the night and then came in the next day because I wanted to enjoy the Munich atmosphere. And thank God it wasn't this year because I would have had no patience for that. I'm so happy to be home this weekend ish. Uh, ha- like, look, I love Germany. Mark has been great crack having. Uh, having the fun with me the last seven weeks and Jason as well like I was saying to Connor and Michaela and even the college boys to have everybody at Pro Football Ireland be at a game over the last month is unreal class and this week we come into one of the biggest weeks for the game in this Ar- on, on, on this on this Ireland on this island ever we are almost well we're about 12, 27 28 years from the last time the Pittsburgh Steelers played in Ireland in a preseason game against the Chicago Bears. And this Sunday, they come to Crook Park, the iconic home of where Peter Canavan lifted Sam McGuire 20 years ago this year for the first time. And they're going <laughs> to the Hogan Suite. Pulled out hundreds of fans on Sunday night for a massive AFC North matchup. We'll talk about the game in a bit, but Mark, 
it feels like a big moment. It really, really does. And I will say this publicly. I, I host the Steelers podcast. The Steelers explicitly state on their website they will explore at some point in the long term the possibility of playing a game here. I personally think we're a while off from any team playing here. But I certainly think this weekend, Mark, is the start of something very special. And I'm very excited to share a pint with both of you boys and to have a conversation with Mossy Quinn about how Tyrone were robbed in 1996. Yeah, and, and what an occasion to do it as well. 95 years since Kildare won in All-Ireland in Crow Park, Michael. So <laughs> if we want to go down with some stats like that. No, uh, Hold on, did Kildare actually win the All-Ireland? It actually. wasn't It wasn't the All-Ireland as it's known as today. Like it wasn't, I suppose it was an It was an All-Ireland. They haven't won the Sam Maguire. <laughs> it's like they were one of the first teams to be able to do it. Uh, yes, yeah, so I don't know if it counts in the uh, the current, in the modern era or whatever, but they did technically win one. But um. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my train of thought. So no, um, I'm very excited. Like you say, it's going to be massive. I don't know where we get to see it because we know anytime there's an NFL event that involves involves Michael McQuaid, he gets sworn by fans. So uh, look, give him a break, people. If you see him at the bar, just let him get his point now before he starts yapping to him as he goes. But no, I'm re- I'm really excited because we know that we got to go to Crow Park for the press conference um, back in was that April or May. And the excitement of us walking in, we knew that the landscape of the NFL in Ireland would change after we'd gone through the doors. And it sure did when the Pittsburgh Steelers announced that they want to make an impact on the marketing here. So it's something similar that this is the first time that everyone can kind of share in that experience that like the fans that know that Pittsburgh is making the push here. Like that's not meant uh, more than, you know, a podcast, which is fantastic. But this is people actually getting to do something like tangible with the NFL now as they make the push. And like you say, like there's news with Sky Sports and obviously we have our event the day before and it, it does. You're absolutely correct in saying it is the biggest week in or weekend for the NFL in Ireland in 20 odd years because it feels like we're getting that bit of respect. And it's just not even the respect. It's an outlet for us all to actually go and have fun and share stories and memories and watch a game. Jason, uh, your county won the All-Ireland in dual codes 13 years ago, and it hasn't really happened since, but you must be excited to get to Coke Park. It's not every day a Corkman gets to Coke Park these days. No, you have to turn that (laughs) shot in. My God, last time I was there. I mean, look, Rona crap, boys, so I might as well have a bit of fun here. When was the last time you were in Coke Park? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I think I blanked it from my memory, but it was a certain game against Limerick where it was kind of over. It wasn't the Derry game, no? (laughs) No, no, I don't know. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting back. Not to watch Cork let me down this time. Um, few, uh, you know, it's going to be a great event, obviously, but there's a few massive guests coming. Am, am I allowed to mention the guests on this, Michael? Yeah, look, the, the the guests have been announced by now. Obviously, you know, to have the caliber of guests that the Seals are bringing over, I think mm. Jason is a testament to just how serious this event is. You know, there's watch parties for the Chicago Bears this weekend in Spain. Nothing like this. Like this is big time this Saturday Sunday. Yeah, well, there's there's one man there that after a couple of points of Guinness, I might get a bit of Dutch courage and stroll up to him. Uh, Santonio Holmes, he's the man who broke Cardinals' hearts in 2008 in the Super Bowl, of course. Um, and I just have a one question to ask him: Did that second foot touch the ground on his famous catch? Hey. Well, I can't, you can't like, ask him that. I just do, do, you, <laughs> do, you, uh, do you have a smile on your face in that picture that you tweet out to your thousands of Cardinals fans, Jason, or do you have to keep it kind of like deadpan and not too interested? 
when I ask this question. Well, or when, when I go just drink. go into the event, yeah. yeah. When you have I a picture know. with Antonio yeah. Holmes. I don't know. Let's just see if I make it out alive if I ask that question. Maybe just try <laughs> to keep me restrained after a couple of points anyway. But um, um, yeah, I don't know how well that would go down on the on the Cardinals page, definitely not. <laughs> let's talk about this like fans, the analysts, um, and we'll and we'll swiftly move on. Obviously, it's fever pitch in Ireland about getting the game at some point. Uh, and I think, you know, it's it's like the G word now. We shouldn't really be saying it. But I think, you know, there, there's a lot of people talking about how the NFL is expanding. And we're, we'll probably hear more Mark from Neil on Saturday night about this. He described it a bit like a Formula One circuit going to different places. I don't think we're far off getting the game. I think we'll probably have one by the end of the decade as a one-off. I I wouldn't even know what teams there is. I, I I would not blame the Steelers for taking a long time to not just to examine the market, but but also to um really take their time and, and you know have something special. Um but when we have one, it'll be great fun. Yeah, no matter who's playing. Before I answer, what is the G word? A game. Oh gee. Oh, sorry. That's my bad. It's I like was... don't mention it. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought I thought I was doing listeners a, a, a... You know, a favor clearing up what that was, but clearly that was just an e problem. That game was very obvious there. Yeah, no. Um, having just been to Frankfurt, I don't think a market really needs to be tested so much because you know that at the very least you're going to get a massive contingent come over from America. So I don't think that's a problem as much. I do think that the NFL can kind of you know speed this whole process through because you know, everyone is looking at the success of the college games. And I say success, quote unquote, I don't think it's been a success in building the game here. I think that the NFL is a different beast altogether. So like, you know, the likes of my own passion going to that college game is not, it doesn't compare in the slightest to what the NFL will do. And I think enough people know the NFL as a brand versus as the sport, which obviously the college game is just the sport of American football versus when the badge comes to Dublin you have everyone queuing up because I know and you boys might be able to talk about it as well. But the excitement in the office that morning when I was going off to Crow Park and people were like, wait, could there be a game here? People that have no idea how the game works or the schedule works or how the international series works. But they were asking me like, Mark, what do you expect? And I was like, honestly, I don't know. And all, every single one of them would be queuing up for four tickets. So when you hear about the million people, the three million people queuing up for tickets for Germany, I think it is hands down going to be those kind of numbers for a game in Dublin because you'll get so many Americans wanting to come over as well. As we saw in Frankfurt the last couple of weekends, it was dominated by Americans. Jason, I really enjoyed uh, the college game this year because it was Notre Dame. I think if you get bigger, obviously Notre Dame with the Irish connection, it transformed the city. I think the day will come, probably before the end of the decade, when the college game gets to Georgia, gets in Alabama. I, I really or or Michigan and I think that transforms it to a different level, even bigger than we might have seen with Notre Dame. I think there'll be a lot of fans in Dublin, but it marks right. An NFL game takes it to a different level. Um it'll be special when it happens. Will I still have hair? How, how long do you reckon we're gonna have to wait? Hopefully not too much longer. You know, I, I like the game is growing so fast. I was probably one of the the the, the early groups that were into the, the NFL and on, on the con- in the country. Um, back in the mid 2000s but it's just snowballed every year just even personally speaking I feel like you can bump into a random person and suddenly start chatting about an NFL team it's, it's not that uncommon anymore you aren't looked at as a weirdo for following the sport and like 
uh, the amount of my friends, you know, if 10, 11, 12 friends now, we're all in fantasy leagues together every year and they're all getting more into it. Their knowledge is growing. They're not just um, tuning into red zone as a, as a neutral anymore. Many of them have picked up teams and allegiances and they'll be depressed on a Monday morning if their team loses. So I do think it's a very passionate fan base and it is growing fast and I've absolutely no doubts that the game will be a massive success if it does come over. The, the American fans love coming to Europe and what country do, does America love more than Ireland? So um, it would just be an absolute party for, for however many, the, the whole week leading up to the game. Um, and absolutely no problem selling the tickets. I think that would be a sellout in seconds, to be honest, if it went live. Bring it on. Bring it on. It's going to be great this Sunday. Looking forward to seeing everybody there. I know what Mark's talking about, being talking to all these people. I'm buzzing. I'm bringing my wife down. I think, I think it's going to hit her on Sunday how big the game is here. Because she always how, says, how, how, how big you are here? No, well, huh? no. No. <laughs> we also, uh, before we finish off on this topic, obviously we've we've Neil coming on Saturday. I, Phoebe's coming to Belfast on Tuesday, and then next week, uh, towards the end of next week, it's the first year of Pro Football Ireland, and I haven't even told these lads yet. I have a couple of cool things planned for people that have been following us and listening to us over the last year. Uh, it's been a great <laughs> year, and long may it continue. Keep her lit, lads, big style. Uh, right, I'm buzzing for Dublin very quickly. Does anyone care that the Sean Watson's out for the season for that game? <laughs> like, I mean, literally, that was the first thought. Like, can we, can we bring that in very quickly? I mean, Mark, is this the worst trade ever in the history of the league? Or are we, is it too soon? Oh, like, if we're going to talk about the game, I mean, I was kind of thinking about it. We can talk about it when we're talking, we'll be talking about some AFC teams in a bit. But the money that he's now made to not play absolutely is going to shape contracts going into the future. We already saw the pushback when Lamar wanted a fully guaranteed contract and he wasn't able to get it across the line because the head coach, or sorry, general managers and owners didn't want it becoming a trend. And absolutely now people are going to be like, there's no way that quarterbacks are going to get those fully guaranteed contracts because Deshaun Watson, what actually was it? Was it a five-year deal or a four-year deal? But it's like, you can say that he's of, of two years. He's 70 million in the next two years. And he'll have he'll have played the guts of what a half season or sorry a quarter of two seasons which is absolutely insane um if you want to go actually into the game or actually you know we'll talk about i think we'll talk about that in a minute when we go into the fc but as far as that contract goes it is insane look i know we've all moved off that story but i have not gravitated towards the Cleveland brands at all under sean watson i'd like the defense you know like i picked them to win the afc north this year but as an individual, yeah, I mean, if you believe in karma or you don't, I mean, it's a nice thing what's after happening now that, look, he has all the money, but he's just becoming better relevant. And uh, I think the narrative last summer, I mean, a lot of people would have been happy that this is almost the best case scenario, that he cannot play the game that he apparently does. Jason, before we move on to the next topic, I'll give you 30 seconds to tell us how, how happy you are with Kyler Murray at the minute. I felt like I was looking at a child opening his Christmas present on Twitter on Sunday night. You do well to keep me to 30 seconds here, but yeah, I thought I was very impressed by his, <laughs> his return. Um, like he, he, on that play, on that one play that went viral on the, the scramble, he exceeded his top speed from last season. So absolutely forget about any concerns about him returning from an ACL and that taking away his explosiveness. Um, he looks, he definitely still has that burst and, more importantly, I really liked how he 
sat in the pocket and went through his reads and made some very accurate throws. Uh, so great start. And you can sense the excitement even just on social media. The fans are finally, after a long season so far, excited to watch the Cardinals every Sunday again. Puts you under pressure, Jason. Will you be able to hit your top speed pre-ACL surgery when you recover? Well, look, he's set the standard now. Uh, I'll see if I can stop <laughs> My running style is a bit different. I'm about twice the height and half the width of Kyler Murray. Um, I'd say my top speed is probably half his top speed as well. That'll be a funny side-by-side. I am, uh, I am looking forward to seeing Jason appear with a blue tick after the Cardinals get another one on Twitter. Uh, or X now, uh, NFL Ireland, X Instagram, TikTok. We're the kings of TikTok at the minute, boys. Loving it. Uh, right, let, let's move on. And, you know, NFL fans in Ireland, I don't know about you lads or anyone listening to this podcast or watching it, we all get the fear on a Sunday night before work. I certainly do. And it comes around at about 20 to 12 when the last late's closing, about the close, and you're like, oh, Jesus. If I watch Sunday night football, I have to go get up at 7 o'clock to go to work. Panic stations. Well, talk about the flex into a top gear, boys. There are certain teams at the minute that we're going to talk about panic stations. Now, Mark... I have prepared for the Buffalo Bills. Have I messed up or are we going to have a general discussion around all teams here? General discussion, but I mean, we didn't go too big into it because it's kind of one of those things you believe in or do not. The AFC playoff race is as tough as they come and everyone is in with a shout. So when we say panic stations, I mean, are you panicking really? Because no, you could go off on a tear now. The San Francisco 49ers were panicking last week and then they go and blow, blow the doors off the Jacksonville Jaguars and they're back to being one of the best you know it's a very we're a very fickle audience when it comes to the NFL because it's so week to week and because there's so limited number of wins that you can get but definitely when you mentioned the Buffalo Bills there I mean can you get any more panicked than firing an offensive coordinator that was not to blame for the offensive woes it's pretty um I, I think I think it's pretty concerning like I mean anybody that knows me knows that I'm a Broncos fan Right, so when I woke up on Tuesday morning and I seen that the Broncos beat the Bills, albeit there was obviously a lot of interesting things at the end, but the fact that it was close was one thing. I was stunned, but I think the situation with Ken Dorsey, lads, in Buffalo, is just shocking. The fact that they have allowed now a situation where he goes, and even at the time of recording, we're not talking that much about. Josh Allen, for me, is is beyond me. After the game on Monday night, Josh Allen looked like a lad that wanted to get a duvet and put it over his head and appear in February again whenever teams have made it to the playoffs and he's and he's out. You know, like a lot of people were giving him a bit of grief this week on social media saying he didn't do a lot during the offseason or not as much as other people. You know, he was asked numerous questions by different beat writers for the Bills and each time he just looked ahead didn't really answer, and when he when and when the press conference ended, I watched it back on Monday or on Tuesday morning. He couldn't get out quick enough. You know, this is a team now that have been in slumps before. They've been in situations where it hasn't went their way, and every year the topic of conversation has been, "Well, this is Buffalo's year. This is Buffalo's year." They've been so inconsistent through the first ten weeks of the season. And Mark, we've seen it firsthand in London just how off they were. And we heard it from somebody close to the action last weekend that they just didn't seem that bothered. In London, they were tired. They didn't want, didn't really want to be there. But that's one thing. But to go from London 
back to Buffalo and struggle against a New York Giants team that we have found out is just trash is a, is a whole different conversation. You know, at 5-5 five and five in the season, Sean McDermott is looking at this season as potentially out of control. But you have to ask yourself, how much of it has been self-inflicted? Why exactly has Sean, Sean Dorsey lost his job? They're third in EPA in the league. I think they're first or second in offensive EPA across an average stat line. And to me, that doesn't shout that that's Ken Dorsey's fault. That shouts to me like that's a quarterback that's not playing at the level he should be playing at. And frankly, if that was the Kansas City Chiefs and that was Patrick Mahomes, I feel like we'd be having a different conversation, to be honest with you. I just don't understand why Josh Allen is not getting as much flack as Dorsey has been getting. The fact that Dorsey's now lost his job because of it. The biggest question mark going into the last seven, eight weeks of the regular season is how can the Buffalo Bills now step up and actually improve week on week? I feel like offensively, at least for the next month or two, and that could obviously impact on their season long term, I feel in the short term, they're broken, boys. They're broken. And if I just don't see them doing anything substantial in January. If they lose again the next two weeks, I think it's over, personally, for the season. Yeah, they're, they're absolutely on thin ice right now, and they've created this situation themselves by losing to teams that they should be beating. That Broncos game is a prime example. Um, if you were to look at the the game uh, minus the turnovers, it seemed like the Bills were in control, but at every opportunity, they just shot themselves in the foot, as you say. 14 turnovers this year from Josh Allen, which is far too much. And the team is always going to struggle with a situation like that. It's the most in the league, I believe. Um, which is kind of strange as well, because PFF, and I know some of their grades can be funny, but... Um, on the season the turnover worthy plays that the Bills have had is actually down on some previous years but their turnovers have shot massively up so it could be a slight bit of luck involved as well and just the pendulum swings and some, some seasons these things go against you and something sometimes they go for you look at the Vikings last year they were the example of the bounce of the ball always going their way it's just gone away from the Bills this year scariest thing for them now is they're five and five. They've lost games they shouldn't have, and this schedule does not get easier. It gets harder. They have four teams on the road to finish the season: Philadelphia, Kansas City, the Chargers, and Miami. They don't have a lot of room to lose many more games. Two more losses max will probably get them in if they can get to ten wins. That's not even a guarantee. Um, so they'll have to split those ones and go undefeated at home which is a bit more possible. They do have the Cowboys at home, but, um, you know, that'll be a tough one. But they look like a team that can lose to anyone right now. And the scariest part of it all, and the reason that the Bills and Bills fans will be sweating, is because they they don't control their own destiny right now. I look at a team like the Bengals, who people might say are also panicking. I don't think they'll panic because... The way their schedule sits, they're playing a lot of other NFC North, AFC North teams. Um, I think they have four more divisional matchups left, actually. So they know that no matter what, if they are winning the games in front of them, they're going to be in a very strong position to make the playoffs. Whereas the Bills are playing some teams where the rest of the AFC and the other contenders for those playoff positions, it's kind of out of their hands. So they're relying on those teams to slip up whereas the Bengals can rely on themselves to beat those teams. So I think that's an advantage there straight away. 
Um, a team like the Jaguars as well, you might say, might be in a bit of a panic situation. I think their division is easier, and I would be surprised if they can't see that through. I know the Texans look very dangerous right now, and that's a team that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but in terms of teams that you would have had locked into the playoffs before the start of the season, I think Bills, I, I haven't checked the odds at all or anything like that, but I'd almost put my money on them not making the playoffs as it stands because of the situation they've put themselves in and the road that's ahead of them. Uh, yeah, because like the thing that gets me about the whole situation is who was calling for Dorsey to lose his job? Like, look at the Steelers. Like, Matt Canada cannot survive a game without, like, Twitter blowing up, like, get rid of him. They don't have a running game that's anyway consistent or reliable. So maybe you can put that on the offense coordinator, but maybe you can also say, well, you don't run Josh Allen anymore. So that's why teams don't have to defend the ground like they once upon a time had to do. And that's why their offense has changed. But like, look, they were second in points and yards last year they've dropped back to seventh and eighth like it's not massive regression it's a tougher year like not everything goes your way it all goes back to the offseason i mentioned this in the james gal podcast like what's going on behind the scenes that stefan diggs is so unhappy what is he saying to trayvon diggs that trayvon diggs seems to know all the kind of buttons to press whether it's like pointing to in the most recent tweet pointing to josh allen's qbr with and without Stefan Diggs, which that seemed a bit too close to home, that it's like, what is Stefan Diggs saying to his brother that his brother knows and is now sharing? So it's like, <clears throat> there is some problems there that you can put on Dorsey, but I don't think that Joe Brady, who obviously was the offensive coordinator with the Carolina Panthers back in 20 and 21, the quarterback was Teddy Bridgewater the first year and Sam Darnold the second year, so you can't really rate him on it, but it was in no way an explosive offense. It obviously all goes back to his time in LSU with Joe Burrow that he gets massive respect. Before that, he was with the New Orleans Saints back in, what, 17 and 18? And that was obviously the explosive, well, coming to an end, explosive Drew Brees and um, Sean Payton offense. So I don't know how that's going to be an improvement and what is Joe Brady going to do to eliminate the turnovers? Because I don't see any offensive coordinator standing on the pitch, throwing interceptions or fumbling the ball. And also, I seen the Joe Brady news when I was driving the other day, and I have to apologize to all of Ireland. I was so close to replying, I thought this was Joe Brawley, and then I forgot. Um, I feel like we should jump on the Jags as well. Obviously, Jason, to see the Jags just not get it done against the Niners at all. Have you any concern about them going into the next few weeks? They've got the third best record in the AFC at the moment. Oh, I, I wouldn't be overly concerned. This has just been a strange year where these blowout games can happen. Uh, it seems like anyone can beat anyone this season. I think they'll ha- they have enough. The, the offense has been less than stellar. Trevor Lawrence has done all right, but you probably want a bit more than all right from him at this stage of his career where kind of a lot of people expect him to take a massive leap forward and, you know, really start his legacy and driving forward as as one of the top quarterbacks in the league but it's not a team that you see on offense and you're confident they're going to put up mid 20 30 points in most games it's been the defense that's actually been um driving a lot of their success so it's a bit of an ugly team is it many teams in the league are ugly this year defense is definitely winning out um compared to previous seasons but just as i said their division is easier the rest of their schedule isn't too tough. Um, the last three games for the Jaguars are the Bucks, the Panthers, and the Titans. So if they're in any bit of danger coming down the stretch, you'd fancy them to knock off three wins 
um, straight away there. So I, I think they do have enough cushion in their position. I'd be a lot more worried if I was a team like the Bills where Miami are going to run away with the division win in all likelihood. And then you're just stuck in the middle of that chaos that is the wildcard race. It's so funny that you say that about Miami because last time we saw them was literally I'm in front of Tua and McDaniel talking about well they can't beat the big teams like actually you might not have to beat the big teams to make the playoffs because you're just going to win your division which is kind of insane but the one thing for the Jags for me and you're dead right in all your assessments there especially the Trevor Lawrence thing because it's like the narrative going into Sunday's game was how Brock Purdy could be potentially benched we heard that for four straight weeks it's not like Trevor Lawrence was a game changer you know obviously they got hammered now but like that's where he's supposed to be the generational talent. And wasn't that shouldn't that be shown up against the last pick of the draft? I don't want to overdo that. But, you know, like Brock Purdy was under pressure to win this game. And obviously they, they, they were able to win it. But uh, the one thing, and I don't want to go on to this too early because we're going to talk about it in a second. I want to go back to the Bengals for a second. But um, I just think that the Jags now feel under a bit of pressure by the Houston Texans coming up. They were supposed to like only have to worry about what seeding they're going to get because they're going to win that division. And it's like I would love to see the Houston Texans being able to push that. I think you're correct in what you're saying about their schedule lending itself to the Jacksonville Jaguars able to continue to control their destiny and push one of those high seeds. I will say I was more worried about Cincinnati before I suppose we were recording this podcast and we hear that news about Deshaun Watson being out for the year the Browns looked like they were straight through to the playoffs just the way that they're playing at the moment I think it does change an awful lot Dorian Thompson or what's his full name Dorian Thompson Robinson who will be filling in for this week at least is I mean he was hopeless he's surprised by that though yeah I'm surprised but I mean yeah, yeah, no, I, no, I'm definitely surprised. Three interceptions, four sacks his first game. He had like next to no yards in that 28-3 Ravens loss back in week four. So I think all of a sudden, yeah, maybe they can ride the defense, but they weren't riding the defense when Deshaun Watson was out, you could say. And like why I really liked Cleveland this week was because Deshaun Watson played excellent in that second half. But it's like now we can't say that it's completely freed up a playoff spot. But I think it takes a lot of pressure off the Bengals. I mentioned the power rankings that if they were to lose on Thursday night, it was a one in three chance they were given to making the playoffs. I'd say that's probably increased that they can maybe lose this game because um, playing the Browns isn't as intimidating now going forward. 